going to Qatar we're going to Qatar and now you're gonna believe us and now you're gonna believe us now you're gonna believe us we're going to going to yeah Canada has officially qualified (laughs) for the 2022 World Cup and that's about the only thing they'll ever make me sing on this podcast but (laughs) that song's just been playing on a loop in my mind ever since Sunday my name is Mitchell Tierney this is Waking the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks and I honestly don't know if I even believe it yet that we're going to Qatar, but we'll talk about what Sunday meant to all of us. Look ahead to the World Cup draw and so, so much more on this week's show. We'll also be joined by a very special guest as David Miller stops by to talk about BMO Field, Canada, and some Toronto FC as well. But first, this is a celebratory episode of the highest order. Jeffrey Finesker, Michael Singh, how you guys doing? I don't even know anymore, man. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, honestly, like... I watched all the content maybe 400,000 times and I still want more. Um, you know, it's, it, this is, this is dreamland. This is absolute dreamland right now, fellas. Like, uh, uh, I know we were all at the game. Uh, do, do we think we all have COVID or are we convinced that it's just thawing out? Cause when I woke up this morning, I was pretty sure I wanted a PCR test immediately, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it was cold. That was a cold, cold, cold game. I don't think I remember wind like that maybe ever oh, man. maybe maybe ever yeah. it was it was surreal eh, jeff because as yeah. you mentioned like that was or alluded to at least that was the first time we've actually seen bemo field at full capacity in years five years it set the, yeah it, it yeah. set the the record right for a men's national team game at bemo field um yep possibly set the record for a, a soccer game at bemo field honestly Mm, I don't know about that. I think yeah, I think MLS because, with all the temp yeah, stands and stuff. Yeah, with all the temp stands, the 2016 with the Grey Cup stands was was huge. I think we topped 30k, and then uh, 2017 with the North End temp stands, I'm pretty sure we we hovered around there. But I didn't believe that we were under 30k. I mean, if you looked around, especially in the South End, oh, man. by the second half there was, I mean, seats optional, right? Like every row was about yeah. twice the amount of people uh, that that should have been there. Uh, by way by virtue of their tickets so um yeah yeah it was it was madness absolute madness no one complained about the extra people because they gave off warmth which was uh sorely needed <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely nobody complained but i mean you know we're seeing it in the comments right like uh we've got uh, matthew w saying being at the game is something i'll always remember being at the panama game was something like this uh was a whole other atmosphere um yeah, I kind of lost that train of thought there, but obviously, you know, seeing seeing Fonzie do Fonzie things at the Panama game was pretty wild. Um, but this game, this game was a whole other level. I mean, this is this is right up there with, uh, you know, the the top five, maybe top three experiences at BMO Field over the course of the of the stadium. You know, what's your what's your top three, Jeff? Uh, second leg, uh, Montreal Impact, mm. uh, the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, I would say uh, both MLS cups and this maybe, and, and, and that 2019 game where we beat the U S I was, so I was at all of those. I was at all of those. In my opinion, this, this, this was number one. Um, wow. I had a moment during the second half where I stopped. It was kind of like everything stopped around me and I looked around and typically, it's just the supporter section that are vibing, that are mm-hmm. you know jumping up and down all game, cheering all game. I looked around, and it was the whole stadium that was chanting along. It was the whole stadium that it was, was standing yeah. at like the 70th minute. It wasn't just the supporter section, although, of course, they're setting the tempo with everything that they do. But it was the whole crowd that kind of got into it. Was it was wild. Mm-hmm. And just to see everybody unite around sort of this men's national team, (laughs) come on. It it was, it was something special. And we talked about that 2019 game, Jeff, what Mm -hmm. was it like 
half capacity. If that. yeah, but there was but but I mean the vibes at that game when it when it became clear that we were doing this that we were doing the impossible. Oh yeah, you know, and then oh, yeah. and then Mitch and then tears. you know, yeah. I mean, Mitch's <laughs> Mitch's Mitch's tears. It was the the first night Mitch cried, but like. Uh, you know, and then revisionist history, right? Like that game is so important in the history of the ascent of the Canadian men's national team mm-hmm. to where they are right now. That it's difficult to not look back on it and say, you know, it, it's like seeing the Sex Pistols in in Manchester, right? Uh, uh, and then everybody that saw that show started a band, right? Like everybody that was at that 2019 uh, game against the United States, um, I would say to a person was probably very, very invested in this, in this ascent of the uh, Canadian men's national team. So, I mean, goosebumps upon goosebumps, boys, like Teebs coming on was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like, you know, if, if you weren't crying before, (laughs) that was the point where, where the waterworks started. Um, I will never get sick of deliriously happy pictures of, of Jonathan Osario, just like losing his mind, just like (laughs) grinning, like his, his face was going to melt off. He was grinning. So, so hard um and that was and then jeff that was extra special because leading up to the the, this game i talked to ozo a couple of times and he was he was stoic like he wasn't really giving off any emotion you can tell he didn't want to get ahead of himself despite his friends his family kind of hyping up the fact that they pretty much already qualified for guitar but Mm -hmm. he wasn't giving any of that away it was all business for ozo and to see his jubilation after when they actually did it, I mean, that got me, man, a little bit emotional because you could you could tell that this was something that he's been thinking about for a long time. Mm-hmm. And when it happened, man, that you don't see Oso show emotion like that very often. So you see the hug? See that the KJ special. hug? Mm-hmm. The KJ hug was special. And, you know, we're in the supporter section, all of us. Mm-hmm. The first guy to run over to that section with a Canada flag around his back, it was Jonathan Osorio. And I was thought it that right was side so up fitting. or upside down? Because he was having problems with getting the flags <laughs> facing the right way. There were quite a few <laughs> helpers like correcting him. He yeah, Superman yeah. caped it. He Superman caped it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wasn't. I mean, there were a lot of people doing that, uh, doing that at the match. Um, what else? I mean, I mean, just just from start to finish, even even getting into the ground, you know, and it mm-hmm. wasn't it wasn't. By this point, they've got it down to a sign. Well, I mean, they don't, but, mm. but you know, compared, compared to the Panama game, that was just an absolute free for all yeah, apocalypse. Right. This was a lot easier. And, you know, uh, uh, you got in after that line and, and, and the one beer stand right at gate three was empty. It was like calling to me, but, but, you know, so it was just a perfect experience, even though I only had the one beer because it was so frozen by the, by the last sip that it was a, it was a beer slushy and, and, uh, um, yeah, just just massive, massive vibes the whole the whole way around. Um, I don't know. I don't think either of you went to the one of the the Voyagers after party at the Rhino. I wasn't there no. very late. I had I had massive work to do the next day, and I and I knew it. So so I I sort of uh, I I played Mister Responsible, even though I I saw so many faces that I would have loved to you know sit around and close down the bar with, but but I had to I had to be responsible. Um, what other moments for you boys? I mean, yeah. like, I was in tears pretty much from the second goal intermittently until the end of the game. Like, just slowly as it dawns on you. Like, that second goal yeah. was like, it's... Well, I mean, shout out to to Martin Bailey's son, who at halftime, we're all, we're all hanging out. <laughs> and, and we're like, we're all of us, like, at this point, demons are gone. We're like, we're going to Qatar, you know what I mean? Like, there's no chance mm. here. And he's like, remember uh, Haiti when Canada was up 2 nothing at half? And I think... Uh, <laughs> Martin was so close to disowning him at that point. Like he was, he was this close, uh, but it was pretty hilarious. Um, but mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think by that point, like Jeff and I gave each other a huge hug. Like we knew, we knew what was happening and everything after that, it was just like slowly dawning. And it's, again, it's still, it's still dawning on me, but slowly realizing like this is actually happening. And it was one thing that was pretty cool for me was uh, James Hutton of uh, Forge FC was sitting directly behind me for the entire match. And like, Every once in a while, as a frame of reference, we just kind of turned to each other because, like, for us especially, like, we knew what this meant. We knew how special this was, and mm-hmm, we'd been mm-hmm. there for a lot of those tough moments. And just, yeah, there was a couple of hugs between the two of us where it's like, wow, this is actually happening. And um, I think the Atiba one's a good shit. I think when the waterworks were at their highest was when the entire stadium, like, not just 
like we've seen in the past for Canada players, you know, the South Ends chanting a certain player's name because yep, they know yep, what they've meant yep. to, like D Rose kind of final hurrah, that kind of thing. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, but this was the entire stadium record. The entire what stadium this guy has done yep. for this team, which was so so special. And for so many reasons. One, it shows how many people have gotten on board with this team and understand, but two, you know, this is the due that Atiba Hutchinson's been deserving 100 percent Canada career. And for all the horrible horrible moments he had to go through to get to this joy that you know so many of these other players obviously haven't experienced it was it was so so special to see that yeah if you yeah. if you want a good cry watch that craig forrest uh hit on the on on pitch level yeah oh my god man i know i know he said he was embarrassed by it but he's got nothing to be embarrassed by it's it's wonderful that that emotion was so real and i don't know if you caught um, the the Brendan Dunlop uh, uh, Craig Forrest uh, live stream on CBC Sports yesterday. It was about an hour and a half long, but uh, Craig uh, gave some details as to why he was feeling so emotional, and I think it's really important to to take a moment. He said, "Being out on the pitch, you know, it was a it was a visceral reaction because he hasn't been on a pitch." You know, like it almost brought it all back to him, like the experiences of, of suiting up for Canada, being on a on a pitch. And it was just so much at, at once that that the emotion was just uh, was just impossible to to deny. And that that's fantastic. I mean, if any if anybody's going to going to going to shed a tear at that, it should be uh, uh, Craig Forrest. Right. Absolute legend of the of the Canadian men's national program. And I thought it was it was touching how they brought on the legends afterwards because obviously they were the guys that kind of demanded more out of this program when it just wasn't good enough. Yep. So they didn't get a taste of it despite all the quality that they have. So just to ha- kind of honor them in that right was was pretty cool. Um, the Richie Larea chance, Larea, 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 as he left the field, yep. I thought that was yep. that was special. Yeah, that was. You know, you know how much of a tough time he's going through in it overseas nodding for us and for him to come back home to BMO field and the crowd to kind of send him off in that, in that light. I can, you can tell that meant a lot to him. So oh, for that, sure. that was special. Um, Mitch, you mentioned, was it James Hudden there? Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever interacted with the guy. I don't think I've ever talked to him or anything. I noticed the other day block me on Twitter. He's not what? a fan of my tweets. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're starting beefs tweets. on our yeah, show. This, this is amazing. I love this. I want to get to I the bottom it. of this. What did I do? Well, you will now. You will yeah, now. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I like this. We're gonna. I'll make a new segment. Like starting beefs, starting <laughs> beefs on 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 a Tuesday afternoon. Um, yeah, I mean, guys, it was it was unbelievable. You know, uh, for for casual fans of the game uh look we got mike newell chiming in saying he blocks a lot of people james is like that so mission mission solved but we're still going to thunderdome at you guys so you know start practicing your kickboxing yeah, yeah let's have james yeah. on james yeah oh invitation. absolutely absolutely <laughs> open invitation for debate club um the, the why did you block me interview that's fa- i i've got at least 10 people that i would bring on for that segment also so um yeah, I mean, what 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 can you say really beyond the fact that I think the three of us are still in sort of disbelief? Um, I can't wait for Wednesday tomorrow. I can't wait to see the Panama game. I think uh, you know the emphasis to qualify at to, to finish this window top of our group, uh, regardless for, of, of how it shakes out for Pot Three, which is starting to become the most wild permutation of non. Like I just I don't understand it. People got to win. People got to lose. We may get Pot Three. That's great. Um, the other, the other thing that, that I really uh, enjoyed was, you know, the post-game interviews where people were asking, well, who do you want to face was amazing. Everybody was choosing big, big teams, you know, like uh, I think Eustachio said he, he'd love to face off against Portugal, which, you know, hopefully that'll be North Macedonia instead. But, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, that that's awesome. Uh, like pretty much every player on the Canadian men's national team picked a country that they sort of have some association with maybe even had That's the opportunity cool. to to play for at a certain point and said yeah i want to i want to take a chance with them uh I, you know i want to i want to go up against them and i i think it's fantastic just just fabulous yeah i think i think probably we're all in agreement on this like obviously you know I, i'd like to see canada get at least one uh one game against a, a not uh, not so difficult opponent in their draw but like <laughs> bring on bring on a couple giants here like yeah this is, yeah 
this is a Canada team that won. I actually think are capable of a of a major upset. Like they believe they. I are. agree, but also like what again? It's like what that would do for soccer in the country if they could, you know, compete and or beat like a France or a Germany or someone like oh, that. Yeah. Like, like the difference between that and just getting a win at the World Cup. Like, oh my goodness! Like we are oh, yeah. obviously already on a wave, but like that would take it to that next step further. So unbelievable! Um, yeah, I'm, unbelievable. I'm just sure excited. Yeah, go ahead. Just quickly, because our guest is here. Yeah. What about leading up to this this World Cup now? Like, I believe that Canada, they're the talk of not only North America right now. They could be the talk of the globe and sort of the story. That I think they, they are. Yeah. Kind of made here. But what about some friendlies against teams like that? Matthew, it's way too soon. It's way too Do soon, you think buddy. that that bring is... on Italy? <laughs> oh wait, <laughs> hey, no, Lorenzo. Way too soon, buddy. Come on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, do you think that's feasible though? Where Canada is now in line to kind of schedule some friendlies here in the next couple of months against some of the bigger teams in Europe, whether that is in Europe or whether that is here and on home soil in Canada? Do you think they can they can pull some strings and find a way to to schedule fifty million some dollars? Okay. As long as yeah. as long as they don't spend that fifteen mil before they even get to Qatar, because um, you know those big teams have appearance fees, right? It's like booking Coldplay to play at your uh, at your amphitheater. So, got to be careful because that that money's got. There, there's a lot of people that have designs on that money. I mean, we if you listen to the Twitter Spaces that uh, that Mike Newell and and Sean did. Uh, yes, was it yesterday? God, time has no meaning anymore. But you know, they had Dino Rossi on there, and they asked him directly. You know, one of the one of the guests said, "Is League One Ontario going to see any of this? Any of this windfall? Right? Fifteen million dollars is not a lot of money in twenty twenty two. You can spend that money in two seconds. Um, but it stands to reason that some of it should trickle down. Right? The the this program needs to sustain itself, and and certainly the expectation is is that there'll now be a lot of corporate sponsors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, to spend that fifteen million to bring Portugal—well, not Por- why am I so harped on Portugal <laughs> to bring to bring a, an A like Argentina or or Brazil to to BMO for a friendly that maybe isn't. I mean, I understand that we should probably do that, but the ends have to justify the means, right? If we're if we're paying, uh, uh, uh you know, uh, uh, stranger prices to bring them in, if like we're paying the suggested retail price the- to get brazil here then maybe we could do an argentina instead right like <laughs> yeah let's, let's, let's bring on david miller but i, mm-hmm. I did want to say let's like, go the u.s always gets uh pretty big friendlies as well right so it, it'd be pretty easy to just like now teams would want to just fly up over the border and, and play canada as well so I, I think that's a possibility as well that teams are already coming to play the united states over the next little bit and um i mean we also have Concacaf mm-hmm. league as well uh, yeah yeah and that's free summer, so absolutely yeah, that's some <laughs> yeah. free games anyway joined now by david miller the 63rd mayor of toronto and a man central to the construction of bmo field where we witnessed history on sunday david when you know the national soccer stadium as it was at the time was was constructed did you ever think you'd see a day like that where you know not only was it expanded to what it is now but i mean fully Canadian, fully supporting, and, and just an incredible moment for our country. Uh, it, it, maybe for the women, but mm. there, it was just not, it wasn't conceivable in 2007. You know, the stadium was built deliberately for these kinds of moments, and that's why it mm. was called the National Soccer Stadium. But as a supporter, I, I, I just couldn't conceive of a team this good, <clears throat> of players this good and united. Um, and getting the World Cup, it seemed like one of those things that you you dream about, but in your heart of hearts, you know, it's never never possible. And yeah, so I think you know we finally see uh, the justification for the building the stadium and putting all that public money into it in the first place uh, come come true. And I I got to say credit to the Canadian women's national team; they clearly 100%. paved the way, and I think it it has to be said. Yep. Yep. Without question. Without question. And by uh, by the way, um, I I think teams are going to want to come to play Canada, and then they'll go play the U.S. as well. And I we're like a far that. more like interesting that. opponent um, <laughs> because we're organized. We have a clear style of play, and we're on the up. So you know, maybe the U.S. will have to pay the fifteen million. 
I love it. <laughs> I love that. Like, absolutely. Let the US book all the friendlies and we'll just like sneak in and get a game on the sly. That would be that would be fabulous. Because yeah, I mean, obviously, you know how quickly 15 million can go away in, in this day and age, right? So considering that that Mitch kind of snaked my, my first question, how how would you spend if you were Nick Bontes, how would you spend the fifteen million dollars? Would you would you would you put away the seventy five percent of it to pay appearance fees for friendlies, or would you try to appease all the different organizations, the PLSQ, League One Ontario, the CPL, you know, the entire umbrella of Canada soccer? Well, you, I think from Nick's perspective, you have to be thinking of this as a five-year project through 2026. Gotcha. So how do you build to that? Well, part of building to that is ensuring that the excitement that exists now continues and that we have a pretty good shot of some success, at least in Qatar. So I I do think you have to think of the money as kind of uh, uh, an investment now and be pretty systematic if you're going to be out looking for sponsors they need to be with you for a while and maybe some of that sponsorship money that you try and provoke with this investment maybe that money starts to go to to the grassroots i really do believe uh, in in supporting the grassroots i was on the board of uh, ontario soccer as you might know for a little while and Mm -hmm. that's really essential but that's how i'd be thinking of this of it from nick's perspective and part of that means, okay, you, you don't have to win this World Cup, although it'd be nice, but I think you do <laughs> have to take a run. And what are our weaknesses? We've got a great team. It's a brilliant counterattacking team. It comes together. We do now and then look a bit uh, vulnerable defensively, and we are sure. not always clinical in front of goal. So you need That's some nothing. friendlies that are going to help you overcome those things and some training that's going to help you overcome those things. And I think they should be thinking about that. Wonderful. Yeah, for sure. Right? There's going to be a lot of, lot of thought process, I guess, that goes into these next couple of months as there's not really too many competitive matches coming up aside from the Nations League, which is essentially friendlies. Um, so looking at this run overall, David, I know we had a special moment on Sunday, but is there sort of a favorite moment or a moment that stands out to you where you're like, this is, this is legitimate. This is real. This is special. Well, you know, Davy's goal changed yeah. everything, right? Changed the dynamic of that game. It changed the dynamic of qualifying. So yeah, I think that has to be number one. And it was so brilliant and so, so unique. And it was just fantastic. Um, you know, I was at the Honduras game at the beginning and we, yeah, the first half, we really didn't look very good. So, you know, coming, ensuring we didn't lose that game, that was important. But mm-hmm. after after Davy's goal, I'd have to say one of the Borean saves. I mean, yeah. he, mm-hmm. I think, single-handedly kept us six points by not drawing games and keeping us winning. I mean, they were beyond out of this world. Uh, they, they were absolutely. They were also inconceivable levels of saves. So, <laughs> I, I, and you you gotta love him, you know, with the sweatpants and you, you know, and his yeah. his post game talk. So it was really nice to see him perform in and out of this world way on on you know those three saves. Yeah, it's funny yeah. that you mentioned Borian because he's probably one of the most candid interviews that I had. Because um, this is a guy that wears Canada on his sleeve. And he understands what it means to be Canadian and the opportunity that's kind of in front of him more so than other people. And I remember him telling me that, you know, right now he's playing overseas, but he wants to eventually come back here and pretty much retire in the Canadian Premier League eventually because he wants to give his kids the best education. I remember there was a moment after Sunday's win where he had his kid with the pictures posing and then he threw him on top of his shoulders, kind of running around BMO Field. And that was to me, that was, that was special. You can look at a lot of these teams and a lot of these players, and they all have such great individual stories. But Borean's yeah. in particular, I mean, he, he's he's someone who kind of represents sort of what this this team is all about. And I'm happy that you kind of pointed out his saves because that one against Mexico where he 
Dover Cross on the line at the Ice Taka to preserve that that win. That was something that was iconic, David. Yeah, oh, yeah. it was. It was impossible. <laughs> impossible, <laughs> but he made it possible. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the, the, his post game talk where he talked about what it meant to be Canadian, uh, it really touched me. I've forgotten which game that was. It was, mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. maybe after the Azteca. But yeah, I it, think it, was. it was beautiful and profound. You know, I'm, I'm an immigrant to Canada and it's given me everything. So it, it really touched a nerve in me about how he reflected um, the fact that, that the team represents what Canada is today. You know, people who can trace their immediate families back yep. all over the world. And he, he put it so eloquently and fairly fiercely as well. It was, I thought it was a beautiful moment. Spoke to his leadership very well. Absolutely. And you, you dovetail into a question. I'm going to scoop Mitch for one second. You dovetailed into a question, right. you know, as, as someone who's very familiar with football culture and one of the, the bastions of, of world football culture, um, in terms of the national team, because we'll get to TFC later, although I don't, you know, who wants to talk about TFC right now? But we'll get, you know, at, <laughs> poor where, TFC. <laughs> where, where, where do you think Canada fits in terms of our, our burgeoning soccer culture? Because I don't know how much you caught of our, our talk before you came on, but you know, in terms of, of of late adoptees to this to this Canadian men's national team, people are getting the assignment right. Like that chant of Atiba throughout the the stadium. Those aren't casual fans. They've done the research. They've you know they've read enough articles to know how important Atiba Hutchinson has been and, and still is to the Canadian national team. So you know where do where do we rank or what are our differences to to you know how how let's say England supports their national team. I think we're starting to create our own culture and it's sort of an amalgam of what people have inherited mm-hmm. you know, from their own culture. I mean, I, you know, I, w- I was a boy in England in 1966 and I've really strong memories of all the hoopla around um, the win of the world cup and the goals and the controversy and everything else. And I can probably name the team if I'm pushed a bit, um, <laughs> but our, you know, I don't feel us trying to be England or trying to be Italy or trying to be Latin America. It, it feels like the team does. We're sort of amalgamated mm. and, and we're, we're being us. And, and I, you know, there's one of the unique things about Canada that are being reflected in that culture on the pitch. Well, the first is that our women were the first team that tasted success. Love it. You know, in places like England, the women are up and coming and they're sort of second. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we're following them. And there's, there's something different about the connection with the fans around that. Yep. And then the, the second thing is that it, it's all these influences from everywhere. And, you know, I, I'm, I mean, our cheers tend to be a, a bit reminiscent of, of uh, the UK, a touch, but I, I think we're forging our own culture and that's the beauty of it. Amazing. Nobody else in the world is chanting a T-bus. Yep. Um, yep. And, I mean, wait, you know, wait, wait until November. That may happen. <laughs> I guess in Turkey, someplace. Yeah. He's almost as old as me. You know, he is. You know, <laughs> he's incredible. I'm, I'm putting my boots back on, and I'm, I'm going to get yeah. fit. Yeah, um, yeah. The the other thing is that you know, some people I saw online thought the clap is derivative. It actually isn't. You know, TFC fans started doing the clap at the same time that Iceland did. Iceland mm-hmm. popularized it, but it existed, and it's natural for the Canadian team because it came out of being at BMO and players like Jonathan Azorio being used to it. So it, yep. it even though it looks derivative, it's actually our own thing, and I. I, I hope we continue to evolve that it's our culture um, and our cheers and our fun, like uh, singing the national anthem without a singer singing it, that kind of yeah. uh, stuff. You know, it was so great hearing Old Canada at the end with 29,000 people. Amazing. Building amazing. it out. It was amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was. Um, what what would be the pratfalls? What do you think we should avoid? I mean, my answer to this is always, I don't want to get to the level of expectation that the U.S. fans have uh, this sort of like, like you know, angry kind of, you know, everybody, it has to be perfection at all the time. And, and that would be my answer. But for, I'm, I'm curious if you have a different one. Well, I think not being like the U.S. is a good idea. 
Mm-hmm. But the the you know just going back to the the diversity of it all in, in Europe it feels a bit like uh, when people newcomers come to a country you have to become let's say German or French or English yep. you know here we're forging ourselves still all the time and it feels like that in terms of the support I don't know about the pratfalls I'll tell you I I think the key thing is to keep the joy it was just joyous yeah and keep the yeah. spontaneity. And, you know, good on the voyageurs for being there when it was hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I defer to them a bit. I, I thought they organized things brilliantly. Seeing all those Canadian flags, I thought we reclaimed the Canadian flag from yep. those nut bar protesters in all. Oh, uh, thank you for saying right? it. And the national anthem, too. I mean, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And the voyageurs organized the flags, right? So, so good on them, and I think they deserve a shout out. We'll they see. deserve they deserve a donation because a lot of people took those flags home this time. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I saw a lot. Yeah. I bought the scarves. Do you guys have the scarves? Oh yeah, I, I bought I bought a scarf. Absolutely, absolutely. Can't wait for it to arrive. Voyagers uh, release for context. They released a. Does it include the 25th anniversary graphic? I don't know. I just gave them my money, but it has a it has a guitar. We're going to guitar tag on the bottom, and of course, it's a Voyager scarf. So everybody should go and pick one of those up. You talked, David, about uh, creating culture, and I think that transitions as well into what Toronto FC is trying to do over this past season under Bob Bradley. And um, what have you made of of the team so far? Obviously, um, you know, a bit of a shaky start. They finally picked up their their first win just before this international break. Um, are you kind of glass glass half full or, or half empty on what you've seen so far? I, I'm very worried because I'm still traumatized by the Chris Armas era. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know, and you look at the results, they're they're actually sort of similar. And it was at this moment that everything went downhill. So I'm I'm very you know, I just I haven't recovered from that. Just seeing him on the Manchester <laughs> United bench is just shocking, by the way. Yeah. But I I've got faith in Bob Bradley. He's had success everywhere he's gone except Swansea. I mean, he's an icon in Egypt for what he did mm-hmm. there. And, he, you know, it's amazing. Like, Petrasso, I mean, we all, if you're really following TFC, you knew about Petrasso, but nobody gave yeah. him a chance. Nobody. He's been a revelation. Bob Bradley Absolutely. gave him his chance. And I, mm-hmm. I think that speaks to Bradley. Um, I hope he's able to, to support the development of uh, Akello in the same way. I think Jaden Nelson has shown a lot of progress this year positionally. He looked like he was running around all over the place last year. A lot of progress this year. He needs to move the ball faster. Um, and then, of course, there's Schaff and, and uh, JMR. Um, you know, I like the fact that Bradley's giving them a role, although he doesn't have much choice because there's no other players around. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm all in. Uh, he's the right guy. I, I I like him. I like his professional demeanor. I like his thoughtfulness. I like his experience in developing youth. And you know, Jesus looks like a good pickup. My big worry actually is pause. He he still doesn't uh, Pozuelo still doesn't mm-hmm. quite look himself. He looks a little uh, sluggish. Um, and he's a pretty critical player i think if they can get him going uh, it won't be the armist error it'll it'll be the start of something you know. really special as these young players come along but if they can't get him going we're gonna struggle have you forgiven bob for not signing seba yet <laughs> <laughs> that was so close that was so close, was so close. yeah he's he's injured again actually at, at samp um uh so i guess i'm gonna refine my question because as as we're talking about the the Bob Bradley experiment, and and you know the respect that he's got, and and the and it feels a bit Aaron Vinter, like it it feels a little bit like what we were saying at the at the outset of the Aaron Vinter. So I, I guess my question is, how is this different than Aaron Vinter, and is it simply that the team is far more organized now, has far more of an identity, and uh, you know by by virtue of that sophistication, it's it's an it's an unfair comparison. I think it's unfair because uh, Aaron Venter, who was a gentleman and a very good soccer mind, was trying to do something that was not possible at the time, given mm. the level of skill 
I, I saw his, I think it was his first match. I think it was our season opener in Vancouver. And he played mm-hmm. Adrian Can at left back. <laughs> like, if you put Adrian Can at central defense and had the right people around him, he could do a job for you. He was not yeah. a left back. Never. In, never. And I'm sure he would say that. Um, so, you know, I, I really like Finter, but at the moment I saw that, I thought he doesn't understand the league. Whereas, hmm. oh, and by the way, we do have to give Winter credit for that, uh, the victory over LA Galaxy over two legs yep. in the Champions yep. League and that hmm. epic game in Skydome, which uh, was so fantastic. It really was. I, I actually had two seats. I had one up in the supporters' end somewhere and one at the right of center and i did one half and the other i can't remember why i did that because <laughs> it's fun to walk I, around the skydome all those concourses are hilarious man you get lost it's fantastic you do get lost maybe i just got mm. lost maybe i only had to <laughs> find it i can't remember but it was it was that was fantastic so full kudos to him i think bob's in a different position we've got these great young players coming along plus we have jonathan osorio michael bradley i know he's slowing down but he's looked very good so far this year yeah uh and alejandro pozuelo and that, you know, none of the players uh, um, on Winter's initial team, I mean, Cooverman's would have, but on his initial team, I don't think any of the players uh, would have made a team that had, was the yeah. level of, of those three guys. So we're, we're starting in a different place. And I think Bob's coaching's a, a little bit, quite a bit different than, than Winter's. It's more pragmatic and less theoretical, is my opinion. Yeah, I mean... Uh, we got a comment saying Bob Bradley has coached a first team before, which is a very, very, very good <laughs> point. Yeah, okay. So I just took 10 minutes yeah. to answer, and I could have done it in seven words. Yeah, yeah. And then David Ackerman uh, has come in and said, no, no, Nesker, unfair. Aaron Vinter had no idea what he was doing in MLS. Bradley is the real deal. Fantastic. Fantastic. I, I will say this. You know, you say total football. And and you've got my attention, so like you know, like, <laughs> it's just it's just the way it is. Uh, Mike, you got a question? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's funny because we're we're laughing at Adrian Cowan being put at left back, but here is Bob Bradley deploying Jacob Schaffelberg and Jaquil Marshall Rudy as as his his fullbacks, two natural wingers. Um, but that question is actually not even about the fullbacks. It's actually about the midfield, and you touch on it a little bit in terms of Michael Bradley, Jonathan Osorio. Alejandro Pozuelo. I think it's safe to say that TFC's kind of biggest problem has been defending in transition. So as kind of those guys get a little bit older here, do you think those that trio in particular, are they good enough, fast enough to be starting central midfielders on an MLS Cup contending team? It's a really interesting question, and you just cut right to the heart of things, don't you? Don't he does. Yeah, he does. Uh, you know, <laughs> put around here. I, 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 yes, you could have formations to to include all of them, but you really have to think: is Pozuelo kind of a almost a winger, you know, in, in the position he used to play? Is that how you mm-hmm. use him? For me, you got to have Ralph Preso once he gets up to speed. He hasn't looked up to speed yet. But if you took the Ralph Preso before he got uh, hurt, um, and uh, you know that guy, the guy who stomped on him, never even got a card, let alone a red mm-hmm. a travesty. But any event, if you took the Preso before he got hurt and had him sit beside uh, Michael Bradley. Uh, or Jonathan Azorio, I think you've got some balance. But I agree with the premise of the question. You need somebody in there who can handle transition um, a bit better than MB these days beside mm-hmm. him. And if if you go that way, it, it creates certain uh, formational challenges. And I, I I think the three at the back that Bob did the last couple of games because he had to start to look pretty yeah. good because then you can have mm-hmm. Shaft and JMR because yeah. they're, they're clearly not fullbacks. They can be wingbacks. And yeah. I don't know where Petrasso goes, but maybe he and Shaft are fighting for starting minutes. And then you've got some flexibility. And, and if you've got a two up and pause is kind of over on the right of it, maybe there's a way to accommodate them. But I think that'll be one of the questions that Bob Bradley has to grapple with this year. Azorio's in incredible form right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, he I thought he was superb. He was one of the best players on the pitch for Canada. Yep. He was yep. he was superb. Um and um you know, you can't sit him. Well, you can't really sit pause, although he's not in an incredible form. Michael Bradley's mm-hmm. been in good form given his age. I mean, are you going to sit him or are you going to rotate? Uh, it's that's a really uh really tough question for the coach and i i go to let's find a different formation and and get one of the young guys there and uh, work it that way yeah because it obviously becomes a little bit more difficult come the summer when you have an influx of signings coming in especially lorenzo and sunye who's going to be an automatic start there on the left wing so yeah as you said it's it's a tough question for for bob who's going to have to get creative here perhaps but something to keep an eye on for sure david yeah well Michael Bradley looked great uh, in the middle of a three against Columbus, but that's not yes, the solution, did. unfortunately. It would mm-hmm. all, all be very easy if it was, but it isn't because we've got <laughs> yep. players who are better if than no- him in that position. So. If, if Noble Okello can figure out his feet, he's our number six, like starting number six, basically. So that, that's how I feel. I, I love that guy in, in my mind's eye. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't you think he's a work in progress, though? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And he might very well be a disaster, but if he can figure <laughs> it out, my God, that physical profile as a six, I mean, that that's that's juicy. That is a tasty proposition. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I do think that this is the season that I'd like to at least have that question mark figured out, right? Can he, is he ready for prime time? You know, is he a project worth, uh, worth the blood, sweat and tears? Uh, at least, at least have that figured out. That, that to me is yeah. important. I'd love, this is mixing teams, but I'd love to see Atiba mentor him. It's, it's not out of the realm of We've possibilities. Got, yeah. no we have comment. so much Gam and Tam right now. Like, I mean, absolutely. Who's at the end of the day, that's a lot of midfielders for, for us, for a formation, a preferred formation where only three of them start, but uh, let's go, let's go. Let's roll the dice. Mitch, you want to, you want to take us out? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for for your time, David. Uh, yeah, it's it's been awesome, and thank you again for all you did for you know making that moment possible on Sunday because one hundred percent special to all of us. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate it. Keep up the great work, guys. There are tons of us who uh, love what you do, and you know it's the moment for soccer in this country, um, and we're loving it. So Thanks, happy David. to share it with you, and can't wait to talk to you again, man. Have a good one. Okay. Cheers, Cheers. guys. Cheers. Cheers. Always was, a great guest. Yeah, awesome always. as always. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I think let's quickly finish up the the Canada um talk before sure. we. Mitch. Yeah. Mitch, what do you know about Atiba? You gonna share yeah. anything with us? No. Yeah. Um, so anyway, <laughs> Canada. <laughs> uh, have one game left. Obviously, in in terms of the the qualification cycles, my mic falls falls down here. Um, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean uh, it doesn't mean a whole lot as as they're already qualified, but obviously um, they'd love to be the kings of Concacaf fully, and and that looks pretty likely. Again, they have a good goal difference over the United States. I think they're up five right now in terms of goal difference. So um, at any rate, how how would you guys approach this game? Because for for me, like I think. I think it's worth probably mixing up the squad. Like I'd love to see a guy like Liam Miller or some of those guys who maybe Ugo. haven't gotten as much of an opportunity. Yeah. EK Ugbo. Um, mm-hmm. There's some really good players in depth roles for Canada that haven't maybe had a huge opportunity so far. And I, you know, I think you can still get the result you need um, with, with bringing in some of these new guys. And honestly, I think there's a better chance because a lot of these guys put in a lot of work over the past two games. Yeah, it's important to win the... as... No, go ahead, Mike. Sorry, sorry. I, got I was going to say, I would even go as far as saying, I think we're going to see people who aren't even on the 25-man squad Ooh. perhaps make an appearance there in, wow. in Panama. Marcelo um, Flores. Marce- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Raheem the Dream. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, Raheem Edwards is, of course, one of them. I think there's a couple more names, obviously, in that mix as well. Um, but just Marcelo Forrest, you guys catch that, that interview he did. He's gone. He's yeah. yeah, Ciao. Um, but yeah, I think obviously they, they want to go for the win. Uh, if we want to talk about what that could, could mean for Canada's potential. Someone explain it to me. Yeah. I I know, I know pot three is important, but, but at this point it's, ah, just know you're a big North Macedonia fan. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. We started this yeah. World Cup qualifying campaign with all these weird math things. Now we're finishing up with math. Like, <laughs> math. Can we just play it's the amazing. games? <laughs> yeah, no, they want to take the away goals away, but they keep giving us aggregate math, which is fantastic. Um, right, go, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, Wait, do you, oh, yeah, do, you, yeah. do you actually know oh, how okay, to explain yeah. this to us? Oh, no, no, I no mean, idea. Okay. No, no, and nobody has any idea. North okay. Macedonia right. for the win, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's important. Um, obviously, we the course correction happened, right? You know, mm-hmm. the the Costa Rica game was a blip. Um, I want to see Mark Anthony K get some minutes in the midfield at this game. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important to give him some minutes um, because that you know the 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 party line on the internet is that he's a hothead, which is insane. I mean, if you look at his stats. He doesn't get cards very often, right? Like that was a momentary lapse of reason. The moment was huge. They targeted him. He made a mistake. That's fine. But but for his confidence, because he is an important player for this squad moving forward, I think it's important to get him minutes so he can get that monkey off his back. Um, and then with with respect to giving minutes to to other guys, I mean, do you want to see Cavallini up top? We still should win this game, right? Like he's what what is Cava? You know, I'd rather see uh, Upo get the start o- over Cava, right? Like, I'm I'm all about Cava's rotation. Made two appearances, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got he's got his minutes, yeah. He but I'm just minutes. I'm just saying, you know, this isn't a must win game, but again, it sort of is because I want pot three. I want, you know, why don't we come out of this qualifying cycle top of our group? Uh, wait, Mitch. I mean, with that goal differential, is there any way anybody's going to catch us top of the group? It's possible, like the U.S you know a 3-0 win for the u.s 2-0 loss for can or some permutation of that i mean the u.s have costa rica tonight who could conceivably catch or sorry tomorrow night who could conceivably catch mexico still so there's a lot to play for them and the u.s have also never picked up a result in costa rica ever fun fact um so yeah. i mean it's it's pretty secure like i would say i would say it's similar it's similar in its security to canada making the world cup at the start of this this uh window if you want to okay. like, like look at the odds that way, but again, I think I think this is a game you definitely want to pick up for for a lot of reasons, and I think yeah. so, like this isn't a team that's ever going to go into a game that, and not want to win it. But also, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, go ahead, Mikey. It's also worth mentioning that Panama has nothing left to play for. Yeah, at this that point. too. Yeah, they're they're out of the top four. They can't qualify. So what's Panama really going to put into kind of this performance tomorrow night? And personally. <sighs> I think you can throw out your, I don't want to say B team, but half of your B team and still get a result against this Panama mm-hmm. team. Because you, you sub in Raheem Edwards. I mean, he is a downgrade, of course, over Lich, Richie Larea or Sam Matakube. But this is a guy who is in tremendous form with the LA Galaxy. Tremendous. And yeah. I don't think he'll look too out of place if you throw him there. And Ike Ugbo is a guy who's been tearing it up there in Belgium. I mean, I think he yep. can kind of slide in there and, and naturally kind of do a, a, a serviceable job there up top. So I think there's a lot of pieces on this team that you can throw out there and you still comfortably get a result there. So Chris Fung, uh, WTR's own, for Canada to get into pot three, two of the following need to happen. First, you must solve these riddles three. No, sorry. One, uh, <laughs> Mali beats Tunisia. Two, Ghana beats Nigeria. Three, Congo beats Morocco. Four, our favorite North Macedonia beats Portugal. Five, Costa Rica beats the U.S. by six. No, that's that's our favorite. <laughs> that, that one is our favorite. <laughs> Man, I would I would PVR that game and have it on constant repeat on like those digital photo frames in my house if Costa Rica beat the United States six nil. Um, uh, Egypt loses but advances on a on a way goals. Okay, Chris, so we get it. Two two of these permutations Egypt have to happen. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so yeah, there's some soccer to watch. Uh, the uh, the African qualifications are apparently free on YouTube. Hat tip to Dwayne Rollins at the 24th minute. And uh, I think some of these other games are available if you subscribe to that Super B in Sports or whatever the case may be. Whatever the case may be. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it's it's exciting times. And 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 like Will was saying, uh, we should end on a high note. Uh, we should end with with three points, maximum points on Wednesday. Speaking of three points, Toronto FC finally picking them up. Um, as we said before this international Boom. break, we haven't had a chance to, to talk about that yet. Let's let's talk some TFC here, guys. I guess uh, mm. quickly. I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago, but uh, what's kind of 
lingered for you guys from that win that uh, you're carrying over into this weekend's game that you think was a was a positive sign? For me, DC sucks. <laughs> DC, DC. That's a positive sign. There's one last team. Yeah, in the, uh, the yeah, yeah. We didn't worry yeah. about. There you go. I'd, like DC's not not a good team. Uh, I know they came into the the last last Saturday's match um, with two wins and one loss to their name, but those wins were what against Cincinnati and Charlotte, and against yeah, Cincinnati yeah. they barely got that win, um, and they lost to the Chicago Fire. Who, by the way, are actually doing really well to kind of start. Yeah, they, they're they're absolutely having a bit of a renaissance, one hundred percent. But that that's not to take also anything away from kind of what TFC did uh, that on that match. They fully deserve to win that game, in my opinion, um, despite being you know somewhat shorthanded there. When you think about some of the guys that they were they were missing, and overall, I think what's kind of stuck with me is is you can tell that this team is playing way better football than mm-hmm. they were a year ago. I saw a crazy stat that TFC have kept possession uh, for 60% in two of their four matches so far. Last season, they only did that three times. Wow. So there's a completely different identity, a completely different culture shift going on here within Toronto FC. Um, going to training, you can tell there's, there's so much positivity now within the group as opposed to where there was a year ago. Um, just speaking to, to the guys, they echo that sentiment. It, it's a good environment. Um, Bob Bradley is, is taking the next step to kind of mentor everybody, showing a lot of people different game tape, different um, tape from practice to kind of improve their game overall. And it's it seems just like day and night from last year. Mm-hmm. So for me, there is, and I asked Jonathan Osorio this, is, there, is it easier to see kind of a light at the end of the tunnel um, now as opposed to last year? And his answer was, yeah. Uh, there definitely is, especially with Lorenzo Insigne coming and what Bob Amazing. Bradley's doing. But he also stressed that the fans need to be patient um, because this is a completely new group. I mean, you got, what, 18 bodies leaving the side. You're going to have yeah. a lot more bodies coming in as well. So it's just, uh, for me, it, it seems like they're heading in the right direction. And it started with, I guess, a good good result there last Saturday. Okay. Christopher Fong is still giving us details on on, on these permutations. <laughs> talking the rest and I, of the show. Yeah, and I feel I need I need I owe it to him to at least read this one out. Right, so yeah. to be clear on the Costa Rica U.S. permutation, U.S. would still need to lose their playoff tie with Oceania. So yeah, the neck bones connected to the. Uh, uh, anyway, he, um, he could be making all the like FIFA could be like listening to this right now be like oh so that's how it works okay. yeah <laughs> like, he could be completely making hat it tip, hat yeah. tip to wtr weekly yeah. for figuring out how, who's qualifying uh uh what was i gonna say now now i i had something funny but i, I lost it so I, it obviously wasn't that oh, funny. funny um uh, i got you yeah, yeah yeah uh i mean yeah yeah it you know it's nice to get a win uh it's easy to be more patient about this uh club side when the national side is is kicking serious amounts of of Heine. so mm-hmm. thanks for that because otherwise we'd be in a, in a bit more of a panicked mode but i agree with mike I, I think things are starting to come together i mean it's a it's an exciting team to watch uh for for good and bad reasons sometimes it's exciting to to watch them flail around like like you know newborn newborn deer but uh you know it's gonna be a fun season and and we all said that the the first couple months this first third is going to be difficult and and it has been so far so you know but but lots of lots of bright spots that's the thing jeff they're playing with house money right now yeah in my opinion like this roster is half made um so this is just the the ground form of what toronto fc is actually going to be come the summer so Mm -hmm. that part's really exciting the fact that they're still capable of getting results um despite like i said missing half the roster and david touched on him a little bit but Guys, Luca Patrasso. Yeah, yeah, what a baller. Like, Damn. I, I Damn. watched this guy more than 10 times last year playing for TFC2. Mm-hmm. And he had great ability going forward. I didn't realize how much energy he brought running up and down the pitch. And that's something this team, I think, desperately needs is that it's almost like a youthful ignorance. Yeah. Where he's yep, kind of just going 100%. out there running and he, he, he looks like he's playing for his job, which is something yeah. kind of this, this team needed. Um, and the quality, I, you can't dismiss that or overlook that as well. I mean, you look at, I believe it was two weeks ago, 
or the game before when he picked up his first assist against the Red Bulls, actually, at the home opener. And his assist to Jesus Jimenez, where most players playing in that left wing spot, they're running down the line, especially young players. He had the awareness. He's a lefty, but he still had the awareness to cut inside and dribble inside. Mm -hmm. And he opened up a completely different lane and then found the the pass to slip in Jimenez and Jimenez obviously went on to score, but just little things like that we're seeing at Petrasso. And obviously he still has the ability to whip in a couple crosses like he did in, in that win over DC United. And man, he looks like, like the real deal. And he looks like a real gem that that Bob Bradley has uncovered here and credit to Bob for being able to kind of move him out of his natural left back position and identify that this guy could be, this guy could be a proper winger. And I think he's showing that so far. It's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, uh, he Jesus Jimenez has been a, a revelation. I I like his style, man. I like I like his intelligence. I like that goal he scored. I, um, I think it was the the Red Bulls was wonderful. The the patience that he had in front mm-hmm. of the box yeah. to sort of yeah, sidestep the goalie was was unbelievable. You know this this is this is not something we would have seen last year, right? Like we were either gun shy or we shot too quickly. I mean, to <laughs> what, have someone what would Dom that, Dwyer have done in that? Spot? Yeah. Was, <laughs> well, if it was for Atlanta, he scored a, a, a worldie. But if it's yeah. for us, he'll fall over backwards and trip over his feet. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it it's it's fun to see this team develop. Uh, and and these are you know we've talked a lot about how likable the the Canadian men's national team are to a man. Uh, we've got a likable squad now, you know. Uh, once, once again, uh, whereas last year, I don't. I think there was a lot of unlikable characters, and and so it's not. It's easier to get behind these guys. Name names, once yeah. again. No, you know what name I'm. I know what name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not falling into your into your trap there. That is bait, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's finish up TFC with, of, of course, this. They've got quite the return to action this weekend against the defending MLS Cup champion NYCFC. But wait, NYCFC, they've got Champions League coming up on Wednesday, and they've very much looked 2018 TFC this year in the league. Nice. Like, they've been yep. uh, they've been prioritizing Champions League as you would expect pretty heavily. So they're uh, and they have to travel to Seattle as well for that game. So um, in terms of that, in terms of the scheduling of this fixture, looks pretty good for TFC. You let's, like it. Let's hey. kill them. I mean, yeah. they, they do have a lot of depth. I think New York City FC on paper is probably the best team in Major League Soccer, maybe Absolutely. Seattle. Um, but that's going to be quite the, the Champions League affair, and I hate the fact that one of Seattle or NYCFC is going to be in the Champions League final with yeah. a shot to do what, what everybody's wanted uh, Toronto FC to be the first club to do. Mm-hmm. I hate the fact, but I also love it because it's great for, for the league, great for MLS. Um, hopefully we get a, a rotated NYCFC squad on Saturday. Now, if field. if they win the Champions League, are they going to have an actual banner this time? Or is it just going to be like a little piece of tissue paper? <laughs> oh, my before? God. That was embarrassing. <laughs> that, was embarrassing. <laughs> that was so embarrassing. It was actually so cringe. Yeah, um, yeah it was It was very, very, very cringe. I love I love the, the MLS Cup hangover. It's hilarious because it happens to everybody. And nobody expects it. All, and they always think they're going to transcend it. Like, we're not going to be like Toronto in 2018. Screw those guys. And then they're worse. And we're just like, aha, told you. Uh, especially when, when you when you factor in uh, uh, CONCACAF champions. Oh, yeah. But, so tough. Yeah. So no, tough. I, I mean, listen, it's funny when Mike says on paper they're the best team in MLS because they've been that way for, for a bunch of years. And they just keep like, they just keep not doing the thing. So, so, you know, they did it last year, but, but I think they'll revert back to the mean eventually NYCFC, which is really, really, really nice looking on paper, but a tire fire in real life. So, you know, let that, let they, just the the they just yeah, won the MLS cup. They just, yeah, but <laughs> well, it's been a while, man. They Champions so, League. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let, let's let's put it this way. I, I like our chances on the weekend. I absolutely do. There you go. There you a lot go. of positivity coming out of uh, this week's show. And let's let's finish things up by talking about uh, a project that, that means a lot to me, a lot to Mike, uh, a lot to Jeff as well. And that's Darby Magazine, issue two, now out for, for pre-order. Jeff, uh, we got the cover queued up here. Yeah, I do. There you go. His name at, uh, at BMO Field on on the oh. weekend uh what a photo yeah what a photo now now does my magazine do that cool holographic thing or is that is that like uh not exactly yeah. like that but it will be mm. holographic i can confirm that 
show exclusive that we've made uh we've made the uh darby logo holographic on this uh on this i love it edition. i saw some proofs of it today it looks absolutely amazing so amazing. i can't wait to get my my hand on it um yeah mike even you, though uh, they're not formatted i'm showing the, yeah, the jmo yeah, pictures there you go. There. Um, mike yeah. uh, those are those are from our guy ak but mike you wrote the a story on justin morrow so if you want to talk a, a little bit about that one yeah for sure and it was a uh... I privileged obviously to do this for, for Darby, um, a project that was a long time coming, I feel like. And I chatted with Justin just after the end of the season last year, after his final match. And I thought that was a really fitting time to chat with him because yeah, it was it was fresh where he gave us some great insight into mm-hmm. sort of what was his playing career with Toronto FC, what that meant to him, and what the next step is going to be for him. So I, I got I had a really candid conversation with him. I felt like he opened up um, in that Amazing. conversation a little bit more than, than he has been, or he has opened up in the past. So I think you guys got some some really good stuff in there um, with that Justin Morrow piece. But overall, I mean, I, I've seen some of the, the other stories that are going to be coming out, and I just can't wait to kind of dive into this overall. And I know. You know, Mitch, your cover story, I mean – you had a pretty pretty significant guest there, no? Yeah, not, <laughs> not bad. And uh, there's some great stories in there. I actually talked to to Ian Hume for it, who's uh, basically oh, nice. best friend, and he's got some hilarious uh, hilarious Ativa stuff that you're definitely gonna want to read. Um, there and, should be a comic strip, Hume and Teebs, and just like on crazy misadventures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. they're, they're so different as well, which, which makes it just, uh, just awesome. Um, their, their friendship, but yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that moral piece is, is amazing. There's some incredible amazing. quotes in there. I think just even about life in general, that the moral, just such a wise guy and it definitely comes across in, in this piece. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing that one in print, uh, friends of the show, Benedict Rhodes and, and Tej Sahota. They also combined for two stories, one on Daniil Henry what? and one on Brampton. What? Um, Amazing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, issue issue. What issue is it? Is it 2.5? Two. What what's what's two, the yeah. hipster name yeah. now? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make you eat it about issue zero for the rest of your days. That yeah, I'm going to, absolutely. Um, yeah, as well as we said, Ativa Hutchinson on the cover. We've got Julia Grosso in there. Um, there's Amazing. a lot, lot more. So you can head over to darbymag.com. Uh, just a note on shipping. It's a little pricey. That's Canada Post. They calculate it. There's not much we can do about that. But thank you, as always, for uh, supporting us in, in all the things we do. Obviously, the stuff Mike's doing over the parlay, the amazing stuff mm-hmm. Jeff's doing at, at Camp Yell. I wanted to, to shout out all the work you did on that uh, live show with Christian Jack and, and Charlie because that was awesome. That was, uh, that was a great Thanks, way to, to react to uh, or to listen to, you know, make this all real, I guess, listening to, to all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's wrap things up there, I guess. Unless you have something to say. Onward and upward, fellas. This is yeah. this good. Year, this is going to be a good year for us in terms of uh, in terms of soccer coverage and 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 what we're doing. So unbelievable, unbelievable vibes. Yeah. Uh, you know what 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 an adventure. What an unbelievable adventure this this qualification cycle has been. It's been lovely to share it with the two of you, uh, with with everybody out there in the in the social media verse. Um, you know, Mike Newell and, and, and Sean doing our, our post-game spaces was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable show yesterday that they did. And they had, you know, people come on and, and recount stories of, of what the day meant to them and, and you know, what this run is, has meant to them. And it was a real love fest. It was, it was wonderful. And, uh, you know, as long as uh, we can stretch that $15 million, you know, we could all go to Qatar. <laughs> basically just, yeah, there you go. Yeah. just email nick and and beg him to to pay our tickets jamie mcleod from the voyagers gets to go for free comp first obviously yeah. but then after that you know we can all we can yeah. all you you okay. you and james hutton can have a cage death match and then we'll see who gets the ticket and uh <laughs> hey no i actually i actually should be there jeff if oh my god that shit, what what goes, well i mean the parlay was actually down in in costa rica yeah i saw um, that i saw that yeah the last week for for the last match and um big plans coming up to to cover this team and their journey Amazing. i guess in in november so stay tuned look forward to that and i feel like we say this every show but we have some exciting plans yeah, <laughs> on the horizon very, very, for us as well. <laughs> very oh, very very soon um we'll have, <laughs> we'll have that for you um, yeah yeah, yeah. Of, of our own certainly so mm-hmm. 
yeah, as, as Mike said, so much to look forward to for that, for all the side projects we're working on, for Toronto FC being back in action for a World Cup draw with Canada in it on Friday. Uh, uh, I, I've been told that uh, KJ and the KMPL boys are doing a watch-along for the ooh. draw, which would be kind of cool to, mm-hmm. to tune into. So absolutely. And also, if you haven't watched uh, Teebs and Milan Borian on breakfast television with Sid Sixero yesterday morning, search it out on youtube it's fantastic, yeah, they up, fantastic. he upgraded from me eh? i was expecting to go back on <laughs> all of a sudden you see these two guys that are probably a little bit better to talk to but, hey, no no no, no i don't know i don't know i think you could have done both you and and milan and teams no absolutely. i'm actually happy didn't because the last one i went on the match finished at like midnight by the time i finished all my coverage oh yeah you, have, like to, you have to wake yeah, yeah and then i was up for a 6 40 a.m hit so I wasn't too upset about how, that because how jumpy up were you? How, Sunday, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't, have been, wouldn't have been pretty. That was that was me at the Rhino. Everybody's like, "You want another drink?" And I'm like, "I have a very strong sensation. I'm going to have a lot of work to do the next day, so I'm going to. I have to cut myself off." And I'm yeah. glad I did. Yeah, yeah no. I left town, and apparently the rest of the Derby squad got off to some fun activities that I can't disclose, but I really wish I was a part of. There you <laughs> um, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was mad at you for a second. I, yeah. I thought you were part of that, and I was like, no, "Holy no!" God. I definitely wasn't. Yeah. I found out the next morning. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, go grab your Derby mag. Uh, stay tuned, as we said, some pretty exciting stuff for you guys coming up on behalf of michael singh and jeffrey pinesker i'm mitchell tierney until next tuesday cheers guys Ah.